You're about to listen to an episode of Childhood Remastered. Check out our website at childhoodremastered.com for information on how to subscribe and where to find us on social media. Now, let's get on with the show. Hello and welcome to another edition of Childhood Remastered. This is the podcast where we look back on the cartoons and TV shows and movies and whatnot of our youth and see if they're still worth a damn. Or not. Or not, which, you know what, isn't the case with the show that we're going to be talking about today. Uh, This is a sort of bonus continuation episode from our last episode where we talked about DuckTales. This is going to be episode two where we talk about some of the... Maybe trivia you didn't know about the show, and then favorite episodes that we had. And obscure stuff. Uh, Maybe discuss the video game a little bit. Yeah. So, without further ado... So, of course, last week we mentioned that DuckTales is a Disney animated show that ran from 87 to 1990 with a total of four seasons and 100 episodes. Yep. It's one of the more popular uh, shows from the Disney Afternoon. It was it was an anchor for the Disney Afternoon, where the, the Disney Afternoon started right around the end of DuckTales. It was an end of, around the end of DuckTales and Gummy Bears, and yeah. they, put, they put those both of those shows on to sort of anchor it and let the new shows that they were producing have sort of a a good lead in well the thing about this show is that disney invented a uh, they invested a bunch more money into this than they had really ever spent on like tv animated stuff and this kind of ends up sort of setting the bar for them moving forward and for everybody else yeah and you can really tell compared to their compared to some of the older stuff this show had great production value. It had pretty good acting. It had pretty decent writing. It it really stands like heads and shoulders above a lot of the other stuff that would come later. And it definitely stands above a lot of the stuff that came previously. The animated stuff had all, for the most part, been, really for most shows, been considered to be sort of low budget. Yeah. Uh, and a safe sort of financial investment for people to make. Where it didn't really matter. They could pump stuff out that was low quality and they know that they'd make some money on it. But this was kind of a new thing. And DuckTales was animated by Wang Films and Tokyo Movie Shinsha, which we've discussed several times in the podcast. They've worked on just so much um, Disney or otherwise. Uh, Generally, they're kind of two of the big studios that you would associate with the overseas animation if it was a good show, I think. Although some of them, you know, like Jason Wheel Warriors and a few other things, maybe everybody not, has but everybody has hiccups. Everybody has their dark. You know what? Before we jump too far, much farther, uh, let's talk about what we're drinking today. I have given up beer, at least until my wedding, which is in a couple months. Which means if I'm doing the podcast with Sean, I don't want to punish him, so I'm, I'm gonna give up beer too, I guess. Uh, <laughs> so I am working on my big bottle of uh, Johnny Walker Black. 
Just a little bit of ice and a splash of water. And I'm just doing some uh, 12-year Glenlivet because uh, it's my favorite scotch. So, so. We're, we're fancy today. Fancy. So uh, it's fancy. Just, to be fair, this is probably, for the most part, what Sean and I are going to be drinking for the next couple months. Yeah. <laughs> it's fine. Hey, it takes it takes me... I'm a big guy. It takes me about six to seven beers to really feel anything. And that's just wasted calories. That's true. So yeah. this is much better. I'm a. I mean, I'm not a giant Viking like Sean is. Uh, I'm, a, you know, a six foot normal dude. So a couple beers and I'm good. But today we're we're I guess cheap ish drink <laughs> drinkers. Uh, it's all good. So, so back to the show. So yeah. So I I think you know last time we spoke a bunch about the cast and everything else. I think. This week, maybe let's just jump in right away, and like we can talk about our stuff, okay. our, our shows that we pick. Let's start with yours because yours come well. At least your first one comes chronologically first. So yeah, we picked. We each picked two episodes, basically that we just at our whim. Yeah. So we so ones that we remembered or stood out or something. Or specific reasons that we wanted to do them. Yeah. Um, irregardless of your suggestions, we're doing what we want today. So. <laughs> um, so I picked uh, a couple episodes. The first one is called Set in the Clones. And last week we covered the five episode arc. The intro. Um, yeah, the, the, golden su- the Golden Sun one. Yeah. Um, With- <laughs> <laughs> my gold! My gold! Yeah, that guy. This week, uh, yeah, so I, I picked Send in the Clones. And it's it's an interesting episode. It's, this- it's the first episode after that, right? Season one, episode six? This is episode six. Yeah. And... It is an episode, sort of, that you get kind of everybody in this episode. Yeah, you get a little taste, a little flavor. Yeah, this is the first episode that we see Magicka Dispel. Uh, we also get the Beagle Boys. You get the whole uh, McDuck household cast kind of rocking along. First introduction of the number one dime. It is the first introduction of the number one dime. Yeah. Which, you know, we'll discuss some trivia later, but I, I, th- I think... Uh, I'll just mention that the number one dime is kind of, um, so the number one dime in the earlier comics is shown to have become as thin as a razor because he's like such a penny pincher sort of mm-hmm. that, that it can actually cut through rope. And the number one dime is Scrooge McDuck's first 10 cents that he ever made. Yep. And in the show, in the comics, it was never really truly confirmed if the dime actually held some amount of power. That brought Scrooge luck and wealth, or if he believed it did, and therefore became a self fulfilling prophecy. Yeah, I think I think Magica in this episode she says something to the effect of all of his all of his good fortune in the business world has been imbued into that dime. That yeah, and so she needs it to do to to make the spell so that she can. I I don't even remember what it was she wanted to do it for. I think in the comics um, it's to create. Um, a Midas touch to turn things to gold. That's right, yeah. Uh, but then in the in the show, it's something like take over the world, I guess, essentially. Something, it's, yeah. a, it's essentially to her a huge source of power for her to be able to like change her brother back from being a raven and to essentially take over the world. Yes. Now, Don Rosa, who's one of the main writers for uh, Scrooge in the comics, and then ended up writing for the show also, he's kind of one of the later writers who sort of started to take over for Karl Barks. Him and Karl Barks together have confirmed that it does not, in fact, have special abilities or magic and is purely a sentimental object that happens to be Scrooge's first coin that he earned while working. Rosa and Barks also make clear that the fortune Scrooge has amassed was obtained through honest and hard work. So that's also, we mentioned that before. However, the coin can be used in magic. Magicka Dispel usually wants to get this number one dime, right? Mm -hmm. Um, 
And the thing is with the number one dime is the only way that the number one dime can be a magical item is if she gets a hold of the first coin ever earned from the richest person in the world. However, what happens is, in many instances, when she does, like, there's one point where she actually gets the number one dime. By stealing the number one dime, Scrooge then technically becomes the second richest person in the world. Thereby making the coin useless to her. Yeah. So then it's like she a catch, has, It's a catch-22 So it's her. always a catch-22 because Scrooge and Glumgold are always in this competition to make more money. And so Scrooge is always ahead, but but more or less by the number one dime. Yeah. They're, they're, they're that close. So the number one dime is really only magic as long as Scrooge holds it. Yeah. That's that's convenient. <laughs> yeah, right? Like, it's just so, it's so ridiculous. And so, so what happens in this episode? So the reason why that this episode is called Send in the Clones is because Magic of Dispel breaks out the Beagle Boys. And she she breaks them out of jail uh, using this like sort of magic powder, and she transforms the three Beagle Boys into Huey, Dewey, and Louie. Now, at the same time, this is a sort of a this whole episode sort of reminds me of like an old sitcom, like where people have yeah. mistaken identity and stuff. Yeah, it's very much like uh, Three's Company or something. Yes, yes. And and so the characters get the the three Beagle Boys, the random Beagle Boys that she picks, they get transformed into Huey, Dewey, and Louie, mm-hmm. while Huey, Dewey, and Louie have left to go see a movie. Yeah. At the same time, Scrooge has an appointment with a reporter who's going to come do an expose on him to try and give him some good press. Yeah. Well, that's his goal, but that's not hers. But that's his goal. Yeah, she's, she's there to try and, like, she's get a, a gotcha moment. Yeah, and she's like a Barbara Walter stand-in. Yeah, like uh, her... Barbara Wawa, or yeah, whatever her name yeah, is. Yeah, it's something like that. And she speaks like this, Mr. McDuck, I want, my weedas demand answers. And so there's this point, uh, sort of early in the episode, when Huey, Dewey, and Louie are gone in the movies, but it's the other ones who, the Beagle Boys pretending to be them, who are there. And they're there with Mrs. Beakley, who tells them to go upstairs and change, and and she's, she goes... Now you heard your uncle upstairs and change. Yeah, yeah, we heard you. My, my, I believe Dewey's voice is changing. The boys are growing up so fast. They grow up so fast they sound like full-grown men with the... Like that weird sort of Brooklyn accent. It's a, pu- it's like a, a puberty joke. Yeah. So that means like, yeah, yeah. Mrs. Beakley is like kind of like commenting on on his puberty, which yeah. is kind of like a weird, like I don't know. I, that just sort of made me feel a little uncomfortable. But yeah, um, yeah. They're they're sort of like forced to to change clothes and get ready for this interview while trying to steal the number one dime at the same time, which they don't know um, where it is, so they have to like search around the house. Yeah. Oh, uh, the reporter's name is Webwa Walters. Webwa Walters, Mister McDuck. Yeah. Um, and she is um. <laughs> Yeah, no, she's she's kind of annoying, but there is this point when uh, there's the kids are like trying to get out, and like Scrooge is getting irritated. And she's like fiercely taking down nuts, notes and stuff, and he wants to distract her, and he goes, "Hey, why don't I show you my study instead? You can tell a lot about a man by his study. Meticulous study, meticulous business affairs. I always say." But then. Forget this 
study. You can never tell a thing about a man by his study. I always say, look in here instead. <laughs> and like, so Scrooge, it's, I don't think this is the only episode where this happens, but Scrooge has these like sort of moments where like he'll say something like he seems to have a lot of these isms that he lives by. Yeah. yeah that yeah, yeah. then go nowhere or he contradicts like two or three minutes later. Uh, but but the whole thing is is Magic is trying to get this dime, and they, they want to get back to. Uh, she wants to get back to her Mount base, Vesuvius. which is at Mount Vesuvius. That, it's, it's a big rock that looks like her. Yeah, which is out in the middle of the ocean. Yeah. In the comics, though, I believe she is actually she does actually live at Mount Vesuvius. Oh, okay. And she's supposed to be uh, Italian. Yeah, well, that was one of the things about Magica. In the show, her accent is wrong. It's like vaguely Eastern European. But well, yeah, because it's June foray. It's, yeah, so it's yeah, but, but Natasha. In, yeah, in the in the comics, I remember reading that I forget who created her. If it was Carl Barks or if it was uh, the other guy, Carl Barks did. So Carl Barks, he I remember an interview with him. He essentially was trying to get away from the trope of having the old hag witch. So he wanted to make her like young and voluptuous and attractive, like as much as a duck can yeah, be attractive. Yeah, I read that. Yeah. So uh, Magica Dispel is actually like a young, fairly voluptuous duck that is supposed to be attractive, I guess, in the duck world. But she's not I this guess. like old hag. Is the is the point? Well, and so she also has a brother, and I can't. I never remember what the brother's name is, but it's her pet bird. Her brother's name is Poe. Poe. Oh, oh, clever. Clever girl. Mm -hmm. uh, and so he, she's always telling him that like, oh, I'll help you uh, turn back into human if you do this for me. And it's always just like a way for her to just get him to do stuff. Yeah. She um, never does. She never turns him back. And at some, at, I think at one point in this episode, she gets turned into a raven. I think it's in this episode. Yeah. Or, yeah. And then she turns back. Briefly, yeah. yeah this, um, this episode has, has a good deal of uh, intro intro animation like the the yes yeah a lot of the scenes, animation from yeah. this is in the intro yeah, yeah i know exactly. what you mean so to get to that when they're at vesuvius uh the stuff one of the things you always see in the intro is one of the one of the kids uh as a matador uh in a dragon yeah or one of them one of them uh, scrambling to get up a like a cliff and side. beagle boys chase behind him right that's behind also him. from this yeah. yeah and and there is this before they get to that though uh, there is, just to jump back for a second, there's this point around the 16-ish minute mark where where the reporter, Webwa Walters, walks into this bedroom. And she walks in on Dewey, uh, who's tied up to a chair. And the other two kids and Scrooge are wrestling. They're trying to wrestle with Scrooge um, on the floor as she takes like these pictures like like in Scandal. And then Scrooge claims that everything is okay because they're just playing cowboys and Indians. And then he does a full-on, um, like, offensive, like, wah-wah. My nephews and I just love to play cowboys and Indians. Uh, oh, Sean turned into Loretta Sanchez. <laughs> she, no, she did that. She did, uh, Yeah. <laughs> Never mind. I think I'm yeah. going to edit that whole part. <laughs> that's, one of, that's one of those tangents I don't think we need to go on. Um, <laughs> there's, yeah, it, it's pretty offensive. So that, like, that's something that probably won't make it into the new show that's coming out. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I, I like this episode and I picked it because it's kind of like a lot of, like, slapsticky stuff, a lot of caper stuff, the switcheroo stuff back and forth with the characters and, and then you've got all of the, 
the magic and everything else, and we get multiple villains at the same time. And so that's, I guess, that's kind of why I picked it. Maybe you you want to do one yeah, of yours? Yeah, I'll, I'll do my I'll do my first one. So before I, before you say it, I just wanted to say that when you told me that this is the episode that you're picking, this was on my list of ones that I wanted to do. Which which one? Uh, the next one. Okay, so uh, the first episode I picked, I actually picked two in a row. Yeah, they just so they the just first ha- one. they just happened to be two in a row. I didn't know that they were one after the other, but they were ones that stood out in my mind. So the first one. Uh, you know, I don't have it in front of me. I think it's called The Curse of Castle McDuck. Yes, you are correct. Season 1, episode 26. Yes. Yeah. So, The Curse of The Curse of Castle McDuck is I think one of the first episodes where we actually get to delve into Scrooge's history a little bit. Backstory, yeah, and his history. So, the the episode takes place in Scotland. He's taken the boys and Webby to Scotland to essentially get some old stuff from his cottage. Yeah. So he's, they're taking a train through the Scottish countryside, and, and uh, Scrooge is getting all wispy. Have you, have you seen Stonehenge? I actually have. I've been there. Okay. So you know... It's behind fences now. It, I, I was there before uh, when there sort was... Sort of. Yeah, I was there before uh, when there was no fences. You could walk up and touch the rocks. Okay. So the, when I went there a couple years ago, it, it wasn't necessarily behind a fence. Sort of a fence, like it's maybe just the like last a, maybe the last time I was there, they were doing restoration. It on was it like and a, they put fences. Well, it's it. like a suggest, like very strongly suggested, don't cross this line, you're going to get arrested. Thing. No, like when I was um, when I was there last, there was um, there was definite fencing around because oh, okay. I think they no, were doing they were doing restoration on it. We didn't have that, uh, but what I wanted to mention was is it's it's weird that they take. I found it ironic that they're taking a train to Scotland. And that they pass Stonehenge. Because as you know, when you go see Stonehenge at this moment, mm. there is no train that goes by Stonehenge. Yeah. And, and but there, there are stone circles or remnants of stone circles sort of all over. other places. Yeah, all over, uh, all over that area. Scotland, England. But they are currently working on a train system that's going to go out there. So right now, like, if you go over there, you got to take a bus or something to get to Stonehenge. Yeah, I think we took a bus. Yeah, but, but, but you can take a train. You will be able to soon take a train. But I thought that that was kind of weird that they pa- they used a train and passed Stonehenge. It was they like... Pre- they predicted the they future. They predicted the future! It's like The Simpsons. The Simpsons yeah. predicts everything. And this... Anyway, so this show, or this episode, Scrooge goes to his cottage McDuck to pick up some stuff from his like ancestral home. That's the home where he grew up. And uh, you get to see a picture of Scrooge when he was a little boy. And Webby says, Uncle Scrooge, who's this little girl? Why, uh, that's me, Webby. <laughs> it's a cute skirt, Uncle Scrooge, but why are you wearing it? That's not a skirt, darling. It's called a kilt. Well, whatever you call it, I hope you stayed out of the wind. Yeah, so <laughs> they... Uh, he, it, it's kind of funny because that's kind of like when they decide to explore the nearby abandoned haunted castle, and then he tells them the story. Right? Yeah, he he they uh, they go up to his room because he he makes a point to talk about how he had a very like he's like, oh I didn't have a uh, a carefree childhood like you guys have had, and Webby goes up to his old room. She's like, look at all the toys, and sh- they run up there, and he's got all these t- stuffed teddy bears and all kinds of toys. And that's when they go out on his balcony and they see the castle behind him. And they're like, whoa, who lives there? And he goes like, oh, that's just old Castle McDuck. And they're like, you have a castle? And he's like, oh, no, 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 no. It's, it's, let's just not talk about the castle, please. Well, 
So I don't know if you know this. Maybe you don't. And maybe some, maybe most of the people out listening to this don't know this. But so, the, I mean, this episode centers around a lot. It centers a lot around Druidic belief system and Druidism, right? I don't know if you're aware of this, but what we think of as like Druidism is completely BS. It got made up in the 1800s. Oh, so it was, um, yeah. So what they, the whole like modern Druids, it was this like fraternal organization sort of modeled on Freemasonry and they just made it up. The guy just made it up. And so it's just a bunch of junk. We don't really know that much about Druids. Cause yeah, because they, they were supposed to be the sort of religious people of the, the, the religious. Yeah. yeah, the religious caste of the uh, of the of the Celtic race. But it but it's actually a bunch of bunk. Uh, it's yeah, not real. Well, that's sad. I, I think the guy like did it as a way to like get girls or some something. As is usually the case, he's yeah. trying to get laid, right? Yeah. Um, so the the whole the whole like sort of conflict in this episode. Is that there is a there is a glowing like demon hound that's been terrorizing the area because as Scrooge has been you know interacting with the neighbors he's like oh I am Scrooge McDuck and whenever he says that they go McDuck and they all scream and they run away because this hound has been terrorizing the countryside because of the McDucks because they built their castle it's a cursed castle and the uh, the boys convince Scrooge to go investigate the castle. Because the dog only comes out during the night. So they go in there. They investigate. The dog chases them around. Chases them off the castle. And then they are determined essentially to capture the dog. Defeat the dog. Defeat the druids. And get the castle back. Because it's Scrooge's heritage. And it's his home. And yada yada. So they start setting traps for all the druids. They start setting traps for the dog. And they go through this whole sort of home alone sequence. Where they capture everybody. And they get the dog on their side by feeding him sausages. 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 And uh, eventually you come to find out that Scrooge's great-great-grandfather was an Angus McDuck. Something like that. Yeah. Or Cyrus McDuck. Scrooge's great-great-grandfather essentially built his castle around the stone circle that the Druids met at. I give up. Aye, and you'll give up my castle and property as well. Your property? I'm a McDuck. My great-great-grandfather Silas built this castle. He and his family placed every stone. Not every stone. Just look around you. This was a druid meeting place long before Silas McDuck came to this valley. He built his castle right over our stone circle. He robbed us of our treasured past, our heritage. Uh, but why would he do such a thing? To save money on building costs. Oh, of course, of course, saving money kind of uh, runs in the family. (laughs) He incorporated it to save money on foundation. He incorporated the stone circle. It's just so perfect. Yeah. So uh, Scrooge comes up with an idea after they actually sit down and talk. And Scrooge comes up with an idea to use the uh, the castle as a tourist attraction. A haunted castle makes a great tourist attraction, at least during the daytime. Yes, and we can hold our ceremonies in peace at night. To have it be like a haunted castle during the day that tourists can come to, and then the druids can have their meetings at night, and then they don't have to like scare anyone off anymore, they can stop using the dog to scare people, and then everyone ends up happy, and Scrooge makes money off of the castle again. And, I don't know, the reason I picked it is because 
I remember it, the dog is the dog glows. It's 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 like a big wolf looking dog, and it glows blue, and that's why everyone thinks it's like a spectral spirit dog. And I think at one point the uh, the druids say that it's a special flea powder. Yeah, that makes yeah, it's what he says at the very end. They, special yes. flea powder. I was going to ask you what do you have specific memories about this episode? I think like when I was trying to pick my episodes, I was trying to think back on episodes that I really re- really clearly recalled. And this was one of them, and I don't know if it was because of the subject matter or because they just played this one more often. Because it did deal with Scrooge's, and maybe I remember it because it, deal, it dealt with Scrooge's like family history. Yeah, I, I, I specifically remember this episode very well. Before I watched it, as soon as you told me, I was like, oh man, that's a good choice. Yeah. I was kind of mad because uh, I hadn't I hadn't told you what I picked yet. Oh, well, actually, the truth is I hadn't truly decided yet. I was waffling. I was like, I told John, I was like, I'm deciding between a bunch of episodes, and he's like, Well, I picked this one. I was like, Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, I, I really like I really like episodes of anything really that delve into like the history of a character and the backstory and tells you stuff that you might not have necessarily known about the character, like especially established characters. Yeah. Like Scrooge McDuck's been around since what the forties. Yeah. And and this is 40 years later and you have this episode that delves into his history and talks about some of his relatives that may or may not have been mentioned. Is in... that why you picked your other episode? Um no. And I, you want me to talk about the next episode? Yeah, the the next episode is I will the... tell you exactly why I picked it. It's them. called Launchpad Civil War. Yeah. So I Okay, just go, go ahead. <laughs> so so let much me let me say. just let me just start by saying that the reason I picked this episode is because of the line that gets repeated over and over and over in this episode. And that line always stuck out to me, and I could always remember it as like part part of DuckTales. It's, uh, the episode centers around Launchpad. It's actually, it doesn't have Scrooge in it at all. It has, it's Launchpad, the boys, by the way, and Doofus, who I didn't necessarily remember from DuckTales. I, I remembered him. I didn't remember him being so fucking annoying. Like... Oh no, Doofus is super annoying. How, Do- how you didn't remember that? I hated him as a kid. Doofus is a. I didn't understand why he was on the show. I don't know. He he becomes like an add-on character that is a junior woodchuck and just super enthusiastic about everything. But he's like a big fat goose looking thing, and he's got like a he's got a weird. He's voice. got like a large uh, coonskin cap. Yeah, on his like head. well, that, that's the junior woodchuck hat, but it's like. But he, he wears, wears it everywhere. Yeah, he wears the outfit everywhere. So. He's just Launchpad. Launchpad gets a telegram from Launchpad. 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 Launchpad gets a, a, a telegram from this like southern town because Duckburg is is in California. We, I think we said we it was in Eureka. Like Eureka, roughly. So yeah. northern California, very northern California. He gets this telegram from a vaguely southern town that is inviting him to become to come be the guest of honor at their Civil War reenactment. I think the perfect explanation of where they're going and and why can be summed up in um, this great scene. Dear Mr. McQuack, the people of Duck Ridge cordially request the honor of your presence and participation in our annual Civil War pageant. Wow, the Civil War happened a long, long time ago. You mean I missed it? No, it's an anniversary celebration. The reenactment of the Battle of Duck Ridge. They want you to play the part of General Rhubarb McQuack. Of course. My great-great-grandfather. He was a Civil War hero. I think that's the best explanation that you could have. 
it, it, it sort of tells you right off the bat, like, you got invited to this re- this reenactment, mm-hmm. uh, and they want you to play this character, and why you're going. Yeah. And, and yeah. so and- they do a really good job right in the beginning of saying, hey, this is what the episode's about, this is where we're going, and why. Yeah, and the character he's playing is his great-great-grandfather, uh, <laughs> General, some- what was this guy's name? General General something McQuack. Yeah. I don't remember, but he's so, he's a McQuack. Yeah, it's um, it's his great great grandfather. But it's like it's very obvious as soon as they get there that that the organizers of the event have an ulterior motive. Yeah, and essentially what happens is Launchpad through some uh, through some dialogue and narration finds out that his great great grandfather actually lost the Battle of Duck Ridge because yeah. of incompetence. So yeah, Launchpad's uh, family is from the north. Mm-hmm. And then he's in the southern town, and they want this descendant of the northern general, general to show up, come back, and then basically uh, re- lose yeah, and re-enact reenact about. his loss. Yeah, and his, the the character that he's playing is considered a hero to this to this southern town because because of his incompetence, their like militia won the battle and took over this ridge. Yeah. And then the other part of it is that the guy's men were so embarrassed by their losses that they disappeared and were never found or never heard of them again until now yeah until now so they uh, they're rehearsing for the because launchpad still wants to go through with it they're rehearsing for the battle and they they uh, launchpad ends up putting his saddle on backwards on his horse and the horse is like a descendant of the horse that launchpad's ancestor used and so he puts the saddle on backwards. He ends up, the horse takes off running, ends up running into a cave where he finds all the men that are still alive, like, a hundred years later. We haven't set foot out of this cave since that lousy, rotten, bungling, polecat McQuack lost us the Battle of Duck Ridge. Sorry, son. It's not a pleasant memory for us. Oh, even I have unpleasant memories. <laughs> Luckily, I don't remember them. And that's the phrase. Yeah. So, yeah. that And that, I don't know why that phrase stuck out. Because they every time he mentions General McQuack, he, they all stand up and they go, That lousy, rotten, bumbling, polecat McQuack <clears throat> lost us the Battle of Duck Ridge. And they just, they say it over, they probably say it like five or six times in the uh, I wrote down at least Three that yeah. I caught that I was paying attention for, but I think there's a couple more. Yeah. So um, so Launchpad ends up enlisting these guys to essentially refight the Battle of Duck Ridge to sort of regain their honor. Yeah. And he actually screws up just like his great great grandfather did and gets tangled in the observation balloon. But they end up using the Maraquack. Isn't that what it's called? The iron the iron side. Yeah, it's ship. like the Merrimack. Yeah, it's a Merrimack. And they shoot grits. <laughs> At people instead of I cannonballs. Yeah, they shoot grits and like they shoot them and it splatters on their faces. And yeah, one of the guys grits at Southerners. Yeah. And one of the guys, really yeah, one of the guys, like he like licks his face and he's like, "It's grits." And then the other guy goes, "It is grits." And then like, and they're and they're just, like, like, like licking their fingers. Yeah, <laughs> it's like. Do you have any familiarity with Civil War reenactors? Yeah, I know they take it very seriously, like oh, very seriously, very seriously. Yeah, uh, I I find um, I find your family's from the south, right? Oh yes, they're on the they're on the losing end of this battle. Uh, the war of northern aggression, Sean. <laughs> uh, I I wish that I was saying that in a 
jest, but I have actually heard that phrase said in seriousness. But it's fine to think whatever you want about the Civil War, but it was, like, uh, 150 years ago now. So, like, maybe, like, reenacting your loss seems a bit odd. I yeah, just over I don't, and over and over. Yeah, that just seems weird. Or if you're reenacting as, as a Northerner, also seems weird. Like, I'm going to reenact... The winnings of somebody 200 years ago, 150 years ago. Or especially when you're just a guy that like runs out on the field and then gets shot and then you're lying in the field for the next 25 minutes. Yeah, no, <laughs> that happens. Like they do the reenactment and your character is supposed to die. And like some of them, they come up, they find out all about their backstory and all of this stuff. And they try to like sing the songs that they liked. And they, I mean, it's, it's some of them get really into it. Uh, and, and that's really apparent in this town because this, this reenactment in this town in in Ducktales is like the highlight of the uh, of the weekend. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Like they're all they're all super stoked. I do think it's really funny that they chose to have these guys like survive. It's just like El Capitan from the first three of like I survived on pure willpower. It's and like they, they survived on shame. Yeah, they survived on shame because they're all like. It, let's see if they were if they were twenty years old in eighteen sixty five when the war was over. Then in 1965, they'd be 120 plus plus uh, 22 years to to 1987. So they'd, they'd be 147 years old. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so ridiculous. Disney don't care about no age limitations. They do what they want, Sean. They do what they want. Yeah. So, so Launchpad ends up capturing the rebel uh, platoon and uh, the, the rebel general... <laughs> like sir we surrender like and then everyone is they they invite the 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 guys into their community to live out the rest of their lives it's so weird as if like the i mean for me i felt like why do any of these people care who won this battle uh, of the reenactment like like they were actually the reenactment got serious and i was like why do you guys even care yeah. You have 150-year-old people breaking Guinness over here, <laughs> yeah. charging you with, like, uh, like an iron ship on a on a wagon shooting grits. Nobody questions that. You no. just, like, it just, it it's seemed... It's like, whatever. <laughs> it seemed weird. It yeah. just seemed weird. So those were my uh, two episodes. So the episode that I picked, um, I sort of actually picked on Sean's suggestion. Yeah, because it's, it's a weird episode late in the third season. And it's an episode that... I completely forgot existed until I got about five minutes in and I was like, it was one of those moments where uh, I had sort of tunnel vision. Yeah. Um, where everything got dark around me, it got to like a pinhole and then it just exploded into my face and I was just like, oh, what like is a, this? Like a typical Saturday night for you. Well, it depends who's there. Got to pay the bill somehow. This is season three, episode 11, Blue Collar Scrooge. I like this episode because you get to hear Alan Young without his, like, super Scottish accent. Yes. And also the intro for season three changes a little bit because it includes Bubba and Cave Duck. Yeah. Or Bubba the Cave Duck. This opens up with Fenton Crackshell, who we didn't really mention before. If you have watched DuckTales, which... If you haven't, I don't know why the hell you watch this or listening to this. But if you have, you would know who... Um, who Fenton is, yeah. even if you don't know who Fenton is, because he's Gizmo Duck. Yeah, he's the alter ego to Gizmo Duck. He's also Scrooge's uh, accountant, CPA. Yes. Now, he makes a mention of actually how much Scrooge makes 
in the first minute. Oh yeah, Did I you remember. Pick that up? I, I remember that. I don't remember what it was. He said, "So far this year, you've made five trillion two hundred sixty-five dollars and forty-three cents. Five trillion dollars Scrooge made in a year. His what's his the, income exceeds GDP. I was gonna say, what's the GDP of the United States? <laughs> I don't know off the top of my head." But that seems like a lot of money to make. Now, there's also um, so in no, it's it's not. So the GDP of the United States in 2016 was 18.5 trillion. Okay, what wasn't 1987? 19 or 1989. 1989. Yeah, the GDP in 1989 was what is this in thousands? So it's 22,000 thousand. So 22 trillion. What? No. no. 22 billion? I think it's 22 billion. Yeah. It's gotta be. So, either way, it's ridiculous oh, amount no. of money. Oh, no. 8.5 trillion. Okay. 8.85. 8.85 trillion. So, it so does not exceed almost... GDP. He's got half of America's GDP in a year. He's got more than half. He accounts for more than half. <laughs> no, that was just his income. That doesn't account for any of the rest of his wealth that he holds. Oh. So, if that's what he's making a year, and Scrooge is roughly 100 years old... Not to mention how much money is in Scrooge's money bank. Should we talk about that? Let's, you finish, let's finish your episode Okay, first. let's finish out. We're going to get into that because it's a ridiculous thing to talk about. So, so, at any rate, Scrooge makes $5 trillion. Yeah. The episode kind of shows right away that Scrooge has an insanely diverse portfolio. Also, because, <laughs> yeah. because in this episode, this whole episode is sort of about a skateboard factory. Yeah, Scrooge owns a skateboard factory. That's and kind of a weird thing for a trillionaire to own. Yeah, uh, like you said, he know. diversifies. So he has he has his fingers in lots of different pies. I guess, and he, the skateboard factory has this the sidewalk city slicker, which is equipped with power steering, radar control, and even brakes automatically for ice cream trucks. I have to say that the that the manager of the skateboard factory has the weirdest character design, and his name oh. is his name is Eager Beaver. Oh god, it couldn't get weirder. Yeah, he also gives the kids uh, skateboards, which. He gives them like one of these like super fancy, super ones, fancy yeah. ones. And it's like, it's a prototype. Yeah. You are a terrible businessman. Like terrible. Yeah. So the, what, the thing is, is this episode is about Scrooge wanting to sell the skateboard factory to a Donald Trump clone. Yeah. His name uh, is Mr. Trump card. Yeah. Mr. Trump card. Who lives in Singapore or like I, Hong Kong? Or I don't somewhere? know where he was. He lives somewhere that's far enough away that it's going to take him like a day to fly. Yeah. I, I don't... Well, okay, so if he's going to fly from New York to California, uh, you know, say six hours, five and a half hours, right? Yeah. So most of the day anyways. But yeah, it's funny because Mr. Trump card is a pig. Yeah. Literal pig. He's, he's a literal pig. He's, he's a pig boy. Um, but it's it's absolutely supposed to be Donald Trump. The hair yeah. and the accent and the whole deal. Oh, it's supposed to be Trump. I mean, because his name is Trump card. Yeah. Right? Um, but but Who, he, he owns a, a rival... He owns a rival uh, uh, skateboard factory, and Scrooge decides that it's going to be easier and more profitable to sell his skateboard factory to the competition rather than try and make it make the the product better. Right, right, and compete. So he just wants to like liquidate it. Yeah, basically, which, which means everybody at the everybody at the factory is going to lose their job. So the part about this episode, the reason why I think Sean suggested it and, and why I ended up going with it, is because what happens next in that. Sh- Scrooge gets amnesia because mm-hmm. he falls off the skateboard and he ends up digging in the trash can outside Fenton's mom's trailer in a trailer park. 
This is Crack Shell. Yeah. So he loses his memory. He doesn't know who he is. Yeah. Where he where he is. Nothing. And Scrooge asks to share her dinner, and her response uh, I thought was hilarious. And it sort of hints at why I think I chose the episode. And she goes, Are you trustworthy? Yes. Single? I think so. How's your pulse? Steady. Park it inside on the sofa, honey. I love her so much. She is a desperate, horny old woman. She has curlers in her hair. Uh, she has like kind of crooked lipstick and a bathrobe yeah. at all times. And she she asks his name, but he can't remember. And she goes, You don't know your own name? I have forgotten it. How exciting. You've got amnesia. Are you sure? Honey, after 25 years of watching soap operas, I know a case of amnesia when I see it. <laughs> that's all she does. That's, that's all she all does. does is watch like soap operas all the time. And Scrooge ends up getting hooked on him with her. Yeah. And he ends up needing money. So he goes and he works at, the um, skateboard, factory. at a skateboard factory where he gets a 20 second lunch. Um, yeah. And, and he works for minimum wage. Yeah. And he decides to take her to dinner and she gets all excited. She goes, I'll put on my Sunday go to court and hairnet and be right out. Big boy. <laughs> I wish I had a Sunday go to court hairnet. <laughs> like, this is so weird. Like, and then so they go get pizza. And they start falling in love. And then... Which totally makes me think that that Mrs... Which is funny because when she asks him his name and he says, I don't know, and blah, blah, blah. He asks what her name is and she's like, you can call me Mrs. Crackshell. Like, <laughs> like, she doesn't even give her first name. No, she doesn't. Uh, but at any rate, Scrooge is missing and they want the deal to go well. Yeah. So Fenton shows up and pretends to be Scrooge. Does the worst um, Scottish accent. Yeah. Oh, couldn't do it with me It's like every bad Scotty impersonation and then you've they ever get, heard. It gets kind of meta because then it ends up being Fenton pretending to be Scrooge fighting a guy who uh, is Scrooge but doesn't know he's Scrooge. Yeah. Uh, which is kind of crazy. And they do this kind of back and forth that is, I thought, really entertaining. Glad to see you're up in a boot. It means you can walk to the paddy wagon. Paddy wagon? For what? Because you're under arrest. That's why. Under arrest? Me? For what? Incite the riot, resisting officers, and knocking down our leading citizen, Scrooge McDuck. Unhand me, you ruffians. I happen to be Scrooge McDuck. He's there of his mind. And I own this factory. I'm Scrooge McDuck. As any fool can plainly see. What are you doing with my spectacles? And my hat? You're daft! And my accent, you imposter! Scrooge ends up getting bonked on the head. Well, no, that's not even the important part. Scrooge organizes... A this labor episode, strike. Because yeah, this episode is called Blue Collar He's Scrooge. like pro-labor. Yeah, and he realizes that lunch is too short, everybody gets paid nothing, they find out about the sale. That's what that's what prompts it. They find out about the sale and the liquidation. Yeah. So Scrooge goes on a tear and he's like, no, this is bullshit. We're not going to take this. We're going to go on strike. And he gets everyone else to go on strike too. Yeah. And, and that's when Fenton shows up with the cops. Yeah. Arrest that! Imposter! That, that imposter! That ne'er-do-well! And so I think, um, did you pick up on the quote that Scrooge gives? Uh, so Scrooge gets his memory back, and then and when he does, and he gives everybody all the stuff that he was kind of rallying for. He gives yeah, he's them like, a full. He's like, a, what does he say? He says, "And an extra dollar a month, an extra dollar a week, 
An extra dollar a day? And then he's like, an extra dollar an hour? And they're like, yay! Yay! And he's like, (laughs) And he like faints off of the slave labor. Was he paying him? He was paying him minimum wage, which minimum wage... For a factory work, maybe not the best idea if you want like everybody to maybe work hard. Minimum Um, wage in 1989 was... Ooh, damn. Not good. Uh, Minimum wage in 1989 was $3.35, which adjusted for inflation is essentially $6.31. Today. Yeah. Yeah, that sucks. So, so at this point, um, Scrooge is sort of... He gets sort of introspective Mm -hmm. in this episode. And I... He says... That in Scotland is an old saying. Ah, if we only had the gift to see ourselves... As inner Now, I find that to be very insightful. Yeah, seriously. And and I, I'm more like, insightful than a cartoon should be. <laughs> I, I thought it sounded familiar, so so I looked it up, and it's actually um, based on a 1786 Scots language poem by Robert Burns okay. called uh, "Tuilu on Seeing One on a Lady's Bonnet at Church," which is it's sort of about it's a poem sort. of... Not a loose, excuse me, a louse. I don't know why I misread that. So it's about, basically it's about this guy who's sitting in a church and he sees a louse roving around on, uh, unnoticed on this woman's bonnet. Mm-hmm. And, and so the poet is sort of chastising the louse for not realizing how important the host is and then reflects that to a louse, we're all equal prey. Yeah. But there's also an, an alternative interpretation that I also liked that the poet is sort of musing to himself how horrified and humbled this pious woman would be if she were aware that she was harboring a common parasite in her hair. Ugh. Uh, and I thought that's some like somebody got really fucking introspective to yeah. put that. That's sort of obscure. Yeah, and th- this episode is probably a good one to to end our our like examination of them on because. This episode actually does show... I mean, the whole point of... Oh, and at the end, he does sort of become friends with Fenton's mom. She says she knew that he was Scrooge the whole time. She was just lonely. She wanted to be with him. She didn't care. Yeah, and and part of the thing... Part of what... Um, the evolution, I guess, of Scrooge throughout the series is... He from, does change. Yeah, from the first episode. And even if you if you go back to, like, the comic books... Scrooge in the comic books was just this miserly Ebenezer Scrooge, like his namesake... He was this miserly guy who really cared about money above all things. His family was there, but like Donald, his nephew Donald and his... I mean, he's named after Ebenezer Scrooge. Yeah. Which we covered on Mickey's Christmas Carol, where the character was in there too. Yeah. So you have a guy who started off in the comics, his first iteration, where like really all he cared about was money, accumulating wealth. Then as the show progresses in the first couple episodes, really that's all he cares about. And he starts to realize... Throughout the series, throughout interacting with Mrs. Beakley and Webby and his nephews, he he realizes that, like, family is the real treasure. It doesn't ever take the place of his money, though. But he realizes that there's sort of, like, a different kind of wealth that he never really pursued. Because they sort of touch on it, I think, in my episode. I'm not sure. Like, he talks when in the, the Curse of Castle McDuck, where he's talking about his family and... He never, like, that's the thing about Scrooge is Scrooge never had a family of his own. He never did. He had, like, nieces and nephews. He had sisters and brothers. But he never had his own family because he was so concentrated on accumulating wealth and being a businessman and whatever. And that's sort of something that I think is kind of relatable to a a good portion of people nowadays. Like, you have people that are so focused on their careers that they sort of forego the stuff that is, like, 
like they forego relationships they forego some people starting a family like they don't want to with their significant other because yeah they don't have enough time and they don't maybe consciously or unconsciously they don't want to put like their kids through that stuff and you see through the progression through the 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 series i think it really culminates with this episode yeah i think so too where he he's realizing that like accumulating ridiculous amounts of money isn't the most important thing and he'll he he develops a uh, he develops a friendship with Mrs. Crackshell. There and- are times when he actually is faced with the dilemma of do I? There's a few episodes where he actually has to face the dilemma of giving up his wealth, or his number one dime, or saving his family. And he he tends know, to pick his family. He picks his family, which is not the kind of Scrooge we probably would have gotten in episode one. No. And and that's the thing is I I feel like it's a subtle it's subtle character development you got to like look for it but it's there yeah and that's it really that's really I I feel like that's really the um, part of what makes this show good is you have you have like these characters which you don't normally in kids shows in in cartoons and stuff you have these characters that really do at least in Scrooge's case undergo very real character development and are noticeably different from episode one as they are from the last episode in the series i hope that the new series does some of that i hope we get to see some of that yeah i have i'm I'm holding out hope for the new series oh i'm so cautiously optimistic yeah i am too like it's i feel like i feel like we've been burned before yeah you know we've been burned before movie and show and otherwise yeah and uh very seldomly do they deliver with so, something that's that's any good. Yeah. So let's since we talked about our episodes, let's let's talk about some of the other stuff in the DuckTales universe. Okay. So I I think a good place for us to start actually is actually okay. Launchpad. Launchpad is been in this show and in DuckTales, correct? And Duck Darkwing Duck. Or, uh, uh, sorry, Darkwing Duck yeah, and yeah, DuckTales. Yeah. They are not in the same universe. Yeah, it's weird. No, no, but they're no, not. No, no, they have to be. Because they're not. Gizmo Duck goes back and forth. They're not. It is an alternate universe, according to the creator of Darkwing Duck, Tad Jones. It is a alternate universe. It's weird. Mind explosion. Yeah, because Gizmo Duck and Darkwing Duck, and I think it no Gizmo Duck and Launchpad, and I think at some point the Beagle Boys even cross over into Darkwing Duck. The Beagle Duck. Boys make one appearance. Yeah, yeah. but it's, it's supposed to be an alternate reality. It's so weird. It's an alternate reality. Now, one of the other fan theories centers around the money bin. Now, the money bin is is where Scrooge keeps all of his money. Yeah, because um, he doesn't believe in banks. Yeah, so the money bin is this giant vault. Uh, and according to the dimensions given by Don Rosa and Carl Banks, the bin is 127 feet or 39 meters tall, 120 feet or 37 meters long on each side. Mm-hmm. And some of these theory, he it's, it's about half full with gold coins. And people are either on one side of the fence or the other. So either Scrooge has some sort of magic ability to swim through coins. Yeah. Because everyone else that tries, right. he can swim through like a, what does he say? He says, I like to dive into it like a dolphin, swim through it like a porpoise, and throw it up and let, let it hit me on the head or something like that. Something like that. Yeah. So, and everyone else who tries dives in and they just go bonk. Right. But then they actually see him do it. Yeah. So either he has magic powers, 
Which he could. Or he, yeah, which which he could. Or the coins are fake and they're plastic and foam. But that would not explain why people would dive in and hit and get stuck. Um, because there's one of our episodes that, that happens and the, the, the boys try to like jump in and swim in it and they can't do it. So from what I've seen, it looks like Scrooge may actually have magic powers. Yeah. He could swim through gold Cause, coins. Because definitely the Beagle Boys have stolen gold from it before. So, before I went and I, I looked this all up, uh, did you have any idea how much money was in Scrooge's money? I figured it was... I fig- Something ridiculous. I figured it was billions or trillions or something. Yeah, so I had always wondered myself. Now, different. there have been different estimations going as low as $5 billion. Over at thebillfold.com, a writer estimated it to be somewhere between $31 billion and $210 billion. However, LifeScience.com estimated the number even higher, and then I went in and reworked the numbers based upon the current price of gold the day that we're recording this to figure out how much money is in it. Now, based on the dimensions that I just spouted off of the size of this thing, it means it contains 228,600 cubic feet of gold. That's a lot of gold. Okay. Now, the way that they figured that out was... They said that the money bin's probably filled with about about halfway to the top. Because every time he jumps in it, there's like a big ladder to get up there. And there's like a lot of open space in the ceiling. Mm-hmm. And then also, uh, using a common estimate um, that the empty space between the coins accounts for roughly a quarter of the total volume, Scrooge actually uh, owns 171,450 cubic feet of actual gold. That volume translates to... Three billion three hundred two million eighty eight thousand four hundred nineteen ounces of gold, and the current market price of gold today is about twelve hundred dollars an ounce, putting the total value of gold in the bin to be worth four trillion two hundred twenty six billion one hundred seventeen million eight hundred sixty three thousand fifty seven dollars and ten cents. And I and I think the ten cents is the number one. The dime. number one dime. Yeah, yeah. that's that's. Uh, that's crazy. That's all just his liquid money. It's not. It doesn't account for his like investments or his right. And he's. Portfolio. I think he's mentioned. They've mentioned that because he's got all these other businesses and stuff. I think that the cash, just the cash, only accum- uh, accounts for about what a third, I think, or a quarter of his wealth. It's something ridiculous. Yeah. So he's he's he's. I don't even know what the word is. I want to say he's ridiculously wealthy, but he's ludicrously wealthy. I don't even think, yeah, there's a word to describe how wealthy he is. He's stupidly um, wealthy. He's, uh <laughs> Yeah, I know. It's like angringly wealthy. He's fake, so it doesn't yeah. matter. But um, and that means that there's another, I mean, because Glomgold's supposed to have a similar, similar amount of money. So that means that there's two people in the world that have tens of trillions of dollars in assets and liquid money. Yeah. It, what like, is it? What? Well, and think about how much gold that is. Um, I mean, the alternate reality that Scrooge lives in, how much gold is on that planet? I mean, gold must not be that valuable then. Yeah, you know? seriously. Because it, it's everywhere. Gross, gross world product. Gross world product in 2014. That's in, it's including every industrialized country. Everyone in 2014 was 107 trillion dollars. <laughs> so between between Glumgold and Scrooge, and Scrooge, they probably just in cash they have 
like 10% I was gonna of say, world GDP. I was going to say, based on their assets, they probably account for at least half of the world GDP. Oh, yeah, probably. <laughs> or a, maybe even a quarter, but still, that's I didn't ridiculous. Even know, I didn't even know that was a term. GWP, Gross World Product. Gross World Product. Yeah, right. So, you know, we've talked about this show, and what we should mention is that by all accounts, if you're listening to this, I'm sure you've heard of this show. And I'm sure you would acknowledge that this is one of the best animated shows of definitely all time. One of, yeah, but, but definitely one of the top, probably top three, top five Disney shows of all time. Yeah, it was nominated for a bunch of Emmys. Uh, and it generally makes most top 20 lists for best animated series from like uh, IGN to Watch Mo- Mojo. They have all kinds of stuff that they cover. You know, they, and they DuckTales is always on the list. Always. Yeah. Um. The, there's... We, I kind of want to mention the other media. Yes, let's talk about the games. I, yeah, so, because the games for me are about as iconic as, as the uh, show is. Yeah. So, there is a DuckTales video game that was developed by Capcom and released for Nintendo in 1989. Mm-hmm. Um, it, the Japanese of it is Wanpaku Daku Yume Boken, which translates to Naughty Ducks Dream Adventures. <laughs> I've seen enough hentai to know where this is going. Tentacles! Tentacles everywhere! Uh, No, it's produced by uh, key personnel from the Mega Man series. Yeah, and it's really similar to the Mega Man series, I would say. Uh, Similar in, like, in uh, operation and feel. Yeah, the controls are super tight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, It it sold over a million copies worldwide on each system, becoming Capcom's best-selling title for both Which platforms. is a lot. Like, you hear that, and you're like, oh, a million copies, like, whatever. Like, in 1989, selling a million copies of a, of a console game, when the equivalent price of that console was, like, $600, and the games were all, like, $60 and $70 equivalent money. Yeah, it, approximately 1.67 million copies sold for the NES alone, and 1.43 million copies sold for the Game Boy title. And the game is usually, by all accounts... Uh, considered to be one of the best titles for the Nintendo Entertainment System ever. It is really good. Ever. And if, you, if you have a Raspberry Pi, you can download it. If you have, which is what I did. Yeah, if you have uh, Xbox or PlayStation, you can download the Disney Afternoon Pack, which is what I did. It came out, uh, what, back in April or something? Something like that, yeah. yeah. And you can play all of the Disney Afternoon games, but it also it has this game, and it also has the sequel, DuckTales 2, which I actually never played. Yeah, I did, and it's, so, there's also uh, DuckTales Remastered. Which um, is essentially the first DuckTales game with just updated graphics. Yes. Uh, so, it, they re they redid some of the music, they took all the music, uh, because it's so iconic. Yeah, the moon um, theme is probably the most memorable song, I think, from that entire Oh, game. no, it totally is. And some of the other themes are, are really good, too. Um, uh... The, the creative director for uh, the remastered game, uh, Matt Bozen, said that the music of DuckTales is some of the base, best 8-bit music he's ever heard, uh, with his developer team uh, citing themes uh, like the Transylvania and Himalaya stages uh, as like, some of their favorites. Um, and of course, the moon theme, which Sean just mentioned, it, it's like, it's one of, I think, the best 8-bit chiptunes like, of all time. Yeah. Um, Back when that's all you could get out of a game is just like the... And then there's links to all of these uh, songs in the in the description. Yeah. Uh, the, the second game, though, you've just recently played that for the first time, right? 
No, I, I've i never actually played DuckTales 2. Oh, you didn't? I didn't play that one. I, I played through and I beat the first one again. And then, and you then I was playing like Tailspin and Darkwing Duck. And, and so you just didn't bother playing the second one. So the second yeah. one is basically... Well, it's because they're, they're, in, they're in chronological order in the... In the oh, uh, on their On the on Disney thing. Afternoon thing. So like the first one was DuckTales and I think it went Chip and Dale and then it went... Tailspin. Tailspin, and then Darkwing Duck, and then DuckTales 2, and then Chippendale right. 2, so it goes in chronological order. Okay. Well, the second game is good, and it's generally... Uh, so the first game is considered to be... Um, some people say it's tough, and some people say it's easy. I think it's easy. I think it's it's like sort of middle of the road. Yeah, uh, if, and if then the second fam- game is well, just like it. Well, if you're, um, if you're not familiar with playing like Mega Man-type games, like old-school Mega Man-type games, then yeah, it's probably going to be hard for you. Yeah, there's... Uh, yeah, I mean, the thing is, is the older games were harder. They were. Um, that, that old Nintendo difficulty. Yeah, and, and so with that, there is a remake coming out of of the show. Yes. Uh, not of the games, because that's already out. But there is a remake for the show coming out that we have mentioned, and we are... Cautiously optimistic. Waiting with bated breath yeah. uh, to see if it's going to be any good. They talked about it. I think they, they announced <laughs> it back in March. Or no, uh, February of what 2015 they yeah. announced. And they there, announced there's it. previews. There's a preview uh, for it, and I think it incorporates Donald Duck more, right? He, he does. I like, think it does because yeah. in, in in the original Ducktales, Donald is only like sporadically used in the show, and he's he joins the Navy. That's why he drops the kids off with Uncle Donald, yeah, or with Uncle uh, Scrooge. He he joins the Navy. So in this one. I kind of like that they separated out Huey, Dewey, and Louie and gave them different voices. And they, they're slightly animated different. And yeah. then I think we talked last week about how uh, Webby, she's supposed to play a bigger role and not be so wimpy yeah, and, and not annoying. Just, yeah. Yeah. Because that's is, all she really was. Which is kind of cool. So and, I'm cautious. I yeah. hope it's good. But we'll we'll see what happens. I, I mean, think. David Tennant's a good actor and he's Scottish, just like, uh, just like uh, Alan Young was. So maybe he'll just... I mean, it's going to be a different voice. But yeah. maybe it'll be... Maybe it'll be good. I'm hoping that it, I'm sure hoping it's going to be good because nothing nothing irks me more than someone just taking my childhood and shitting all over it. <laughs> Ghostbusters. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know the thing that about this show too is, you know, <laughs> I watched some of it uh, like about a year ago. I took a break and then I watched some more uh, for this like kind of recording session that we're doing. Mm-hmm. I did not mind having to come back and watch DuckTales. It's so good yeah, the, that the, I would... I, I This is one of the very few shows you can for sure binge. Uh, because yeah. it's so the quality is so high. What did you say? That it was uh, it was Disney's gift to Western animation or something like that? They basically, uh, I, I would say it is. It, it, it sort of could be credited as part of that... Uh, uh, television animated renaissance. Yeah. I think as a result, we got stuff, the cool stuff by Warner Brothers, too. Yeah. You know? I we def- got some of the the Nickelodeon stuff that we covered a couple weeks ago. Yeah. You know? I, I definitely like the show because it is, it is just as much, like, rewatching it, it is just as much, like, pure nostalgia just, just feeding. Like, you, you, you get that, like, when For I'm, our adult listeners, you're going to nostalgia the shit out of this. Yeah, so, like, uh, here, here's the thing. In, in here, and if you've never seen it before, shame on you. Uh, but you will enjoy this, too. Well, I so, promise. So here's... here's if th- you don't, just uh, just pretend I didn't say that. Yeah, here's the, here's <laughs> the thing, at least with me. And I don't know if, I don't know if it's the same with, with other people um, when, it, when it comes to nostalgia. But here's what happens to me when I watch a show 
because there are things there are things in uh, when I watch something that it'll it'll trigger emotions. You know, you watch something that's that's that you watched when you were a kid. It's like I have this theory about people that whenever people like say you have a friend that you had you were friends with in high school. And then you didn't see the guy again, or girl, whoever. You didn't see the person again for 10 years. And now you're a grown-ass adult, you're out of college, and you see that person again. My theory is that you tend to revert sort of emotionally and and almost like, not necessarily intellectually, but you sort of revert back to that person you were when you last saw them. To some extent, yeah. I guess you, you're you, right. You connect with that person again, and that was the last time you connected. So it turned you turn back into that person when you knew that person. So a lot of times when I'm watching a nostalgic show, when I'm watching a show that I watched when I was five or seven or 10, when I watch that show, it takes me back to that time when I was five or seven or 10. It's sort of not just memory wise, but no, absolutely. Memory wise and almost emotionally, like I feel like things are simpler, like that things aren't. Uh, you know, the world kind of puts you in a better mood. Absolutely, especially given like the, the the crap status of the world right now and the United States and everything that might make you feel depressed about your lot in life. Being able to like watch a show like this that you had really fond memories of and that really, really, really stands up to the test of time, it like it can give you nothing but good emotions. Like going back and rewatching it because you're going to be entertained. If you watched it when you were like five, seven, nine, ten years old, it's going to take you back to that sort of simpler time in your yeah, life. And I agree. I think that just is one of the added benefits of this show. It's not just like, oh, rosy nostalgia goggles. It was a great show. It just it takes you back there. You and jump you jump in the DeLorean and you go back to your seven year old self and you're like, yeah, let's sit on the couch and like eat some eat some. Uh, Cereal Fruit by and, the foot? No. Yeah. And and I, I kind of suffer from that a little bit where I get a little too nostalgic about things. But I'm like, man, man, I'd really like to go back to this point in my life and be able to do this and this and this again because... Ah, yeah, because I just don't want to be a 12-year-old. Yeah. yeah, being an adult sucks. Growing up sucks. Well, I mean, <laughs> it's I have, this, I have this feeling that like there's no better time to be alive than today. Yeah. Every no. day is the best day to be in humanity. Yes. Because definitely today is better than the 1950s. Oh, yeah, And the yeah, 1950s yeah. is definitely better than the Middle but everyone, Ages. But everyone's childhood is always like a better... Usually, not always. It's usually a better memory. I think a lot of people tend to... That's why That's why you'll hear in some older generations who wax nostalgic about the 1950s and how great the 1950s was. When you could slap a woman for mouthing off. And keep black people out of your restaurant. And like... So like... That's the thing that they always forget when they say, like, because I've had relatives say, like, oh, you know, the 1950s was better. It's like, yeah, when black people had to pay a poll tax. Yeah, I'm sure that was better, right? Yeah. And they don't think about it. It's like, we think back to our childhood and we think, oh, you know, it was a better time. And you're like, well, yeah, but we're still dealing with, like, well, it's cause, it's cause the as, Cold War. Yeah, it's because as kids, you know, we weren't exposed to, like, the crap in the world. Yeah, I mean, when I was a little kid, I didn't understand the Bay of Pigs, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like... Well, or, it, yeah. I didn't know what Cointel Pro was, you know, like or or we didn't know that like like when we were when we were five seven years old, we didn't know that Germany was split into two countries, like, or we didn't really understand what that meant. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like so, well, like just, there's just that's the thing. It's like there's no better time to be alive than today. But at the same time, in your brain, you have these moments that are fun to you that you like to think of as being the best. Yeah, it's just like... And if you grew up watching this show, I think this show will definitely get you there if you're looking for a a trip. Yeah, I was going to say, it's just like whenever whenever someone dies, 
you always just remember the good things about the person. You don't usually you don't usually remember the bad things. I mean, some people do. That guy was a bastard. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that guy that guy diddled children. It's like he was a great artist, but he also diddled children. Like no, yeah, no, no, like no. I know what you mean. Like you, you generally you remember the best stuff, and then you yeah, kind of and that and that's rest, what so. everything from the childhood. It's like oh, I remember. I remember doing this and that and like I remember how fun it was to wake up early and go watch this show and god if I had kids now and they were like let's get up at 5 a.m like I remember waking up my parents at like 5 a.m on Christmas morning and then when I was like a when I was like 19 or 20 living at home still and everyone's waking up at like 6 30 on Christmas morning and then waking you up and, and I'm like no no I'm gonna <laughs> sleep more and then I would always come down and my presence would be in a pile and everything else would be open because I was done like, I was like no I'm not gonna come down at six o'clock to open presents it's stupid You're like I'm hungover <laughs> I am very hungover mom it's like yeah no I <laughs> living that dream Sean yeah <laughs> So, so for this week, we're done with DuckTales. Yeah. And next, we're going to continue the rest of the, the Disney, Disney afternoon. Disney afternoon. Yeah. <laughs> we got Rescue Rangers next, and uh, Tailspin will finish it out. Yeah, so... We're coming up on episode 50, maybe we'll figure we'll something do out. Do something special. Something special. Yeah, mm. so if you want to find us and talk to us on Twitter, our Twitter handle is at RemasteredCast. That is at RemasteredCast. You can also find us on Facebook. Just search for Childhood Remastered. Please rate us five stars on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. The rating really helps us out. Yeah, and we'd also like to thank John Howarth for the use of our intro music, Nascent. You can find links to his SoundCloud on our website, childhoodremastered.com. So, uh, for uh, Childhood Remastered, this is John. And Chris. And we will see you next time. 